Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Ann. This episode is the final in the Flatbush Business Expo series. I was at the Flatbush Business Expo back on June 11th, where I had the opportunity to interview some entrepreneurs and small business owners. And my guest for this episode is Dr. Irish Bramble. Before my interview with Dr. Irish Bramble, I also did a few other interviews in the series. The first was with Katie and Russ. The second was two interviews with Shaka and with Chris. And so you should definitely check those out as well as they are a wonderful part of this series. This interview with Dr. Irish Bramble is a perfect capstone to the Business Expo series. We talked about the future, the possibilities, how to be more civically involved in our community. And so I'm really excited for you to hear this interview. I wanted to thank Day Abroad for this partnership and for this collaboration. Had a lot of fun doing this. And so without further ado, here is my interview the last in the series of the Flatbush Business Expo with Dr. Irish Bramble. Hey everyone, I am back with another guest from the Flatbush Business Expo and sitting with me right now is Dr. Irish Bramble. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me. All right. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and the work you're doing and particularly your connection with the expo today? All right. So um, I'm an associate professor at Medgar Evers College, and uh, this is my first year taking over as the executive director of the Caribbean Research Center. Um, and for those who are not familiar with the center, we have we provide a variety of services. We used to provide quite a bit of uh, community-based programming for young people. So we ran a beacon program and things of that nature. Um, we've stepped back a little bit from that. Um, we do community-based research, so we do research on anything related to the Caribbean immigrant experience here in New York City and throughout the diasporas. Um, we've run sustainable development programs in the region and in Central um, and South America. We publish quite a bit of material, so we publish uh, books by lesser-known authors who are struggling to get out there. We also publish a uh, full referee journal, which focuses on the Caribbean diaspora. Um, so a wide range of topics there um, and some newsletters and things along that nature. Um, we're currently working on modernizing a little bit. So we are rolling out our new website, which we hope will be up and fully running by the fall. Um, and there'll be a new newsletter called the Caribbean American, which will be featured heavily there. Some might be familiar with us um, for our radio program, that, which runs every Sunday from 6.30 till uh, 7.91.5 FM called Caribbean Focus, which has been around for a while. Uh, so we're, we're busy. We provide quite a bit of services. We have a reading room for those people who are interested in doing research or um, who want an opportunity to get access to Caribbean literature, uh, which we are reopening again to the fall. It's under reconstruction right now, so mm -hmm. we're doing some renovations. But we're reopening that in uh, fall of 2022 to the public. So that if someone wants to come in and says, you know, like I, you know, would like to see some literature on um, Caribbean children's literature or you know poetry, mm -hmm. whatever it is, um, we actually have uh, the oldest uh, special collection 
on Caribbean literature in New York City. That honor used to belong to RISM, but RISM gave their collection to NYU. So mm-hmm. um, we are now the, the penultimate source for those types of, um, of, of information. So, I mean, it sounds like you do a lot, but for the audience listening, well, where do we see that work show up in our everyday lives, the work that the research center does? How does that show up? I mean, tell me a little bit more about that because you're doing a lot, but how does the community see the results of that work? Well, as I said, we, you know, we scaled back some of our community programming um, over the last few years, um, in particular with the passage of... Um, well, I guess he's two executive directors back, um, Dr. George Irish. Um, so right now, our community footprint isn't as um, as visible as it you know it used to be. But we are in the process of rolling out in the next year. We are getting back into the business of being more visible, I guess, so to speak, in the local community. Uh, we do have some youth programming, so we do have uh, youth internships, which we are trying to expand. We have experiential programs. Uh, this summer, for example, we are taking 15 local young people, um, both college-aged and high school-aged, and we are actually connecting them to community-based research, which we are doing. So okay. we are doing research, for example, on air quality here in Brooklyn, both external air quality and internal air quality, and that mm-hmm. data, of course, does translate into, um, into policy. Um, we are working on a grant with Con Edison looking at natural gas uh, emissions and the way that the public responds to um, or even interacts with, um, with Con Ed over issues like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that particular project is not Brooklyn-based. It's actually uh, in the Bronx and Harlem. We are, through our collaboration, which I assume is, is where we're going next in this conversation, with their broad also doing uh, research on local small businesses and trying to find ways that we can support them, particularly um, now that uh, we're we're trying to come out of this pandemic era. We're we're part of this development, so we're here today with the Business Expo to show support for that, but we are also trying to roll out in the fall, Mm -hmm. so I I hope your listeners will look out for this. Um, We want to do a similar expo, which we will... Um, host on campus, but in particular for entrepreneurs, right? So young entrepreneurs who want to get into business and who we are going to try to connect to the resources which they need and also direct them away from making some of the mistakes that many of their predecessors made, you know, trying to to do everything under the, you know, under the table, move away from the cash only, um, develop positive relationships with financial institutions, um, give them support in terms of how do you connect with finances, how do you develop business plans and all of that. That event we will um, be rolling out and you'll see more information about it in the fall. And, and we hope a lot of them will come out and, and participate in those types of things. What is one of the things that you find that um, is deeply needed in the Caribbean community, whether from a business level or overall, that the community is in need of? There's quite a bit, and one is um, access to reliable information about just about everything, right? And whether it comes down to immigration, um, we are going to be having an immigration forum as well coming up. Um, we're doing uh, one here as well with Day Abroad, but we'll be having additional immigration um, forums. And of course, you know that the college and CUNY has um, its own immigration program where 
you know, people in the community who are having immigration issues or, you know, whatever the matter is and who need support and information can actually come in and get it. I, I think the, you know, it, it's a big umbrella um, when you talk about, you know, access to reliable, um, reliable and helpful information. I think that I is a very honest and while it's a broad sweep, it is it trickles down to everything. So whether it's it does, immigration, yes. whether mm-hmm. it's finances, whether right. it's buying a house or right. whether it's right. where your kids go to school, right. it's reliable information. Right. It's the like informal, stop relying on your cousin. I, right. I was just about to say, <laughs> the informal networks have their, you know, place, have their place yes. but the, the, the information that will truly help the next generation, you know, not make mm-hmm. the mistakes of the prior generation right. really depends on um, reliable information. And that comes to also networking differently than sure. we've and, and done in the past. the right infrastructure, sure. which is one of the reasons why we are focusing so heavily now on, um, you know, uh, transferring our the, the information which we have from being in our office or someone knowing that they can yeah. come here and speak to someone or get information from someone yeah. um, and taking advantage of putting it um, on the internet. Yes. And when I say our information, not just information about the programs that we're doing, but um, you know, we're we're taking our archive and we're digitizing our archive so that people mm. can literally just have um, increased access to. That's important. Uh, and people of all walks of life. So researchers obviously would be more interested in the archives, but you know, um, other reliable information will also be available. I think that's on the important. Yeah. I really think so. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Irish Bramble, for chatting with me briefly. Is Anytime. there anything else you want the audience to know before we end our conversation? Um, just that, you know, um, there, there are entities out here that are working to support the community. The Caribbean American community um, in New York has sort of suffered over the last few years because there was no leading and no central organization that was sort of the, the go-to, you know, the, the lead on it. Even in terms of, of small businesses, you know, one of the, the crises that occurred, you know, in, in trying to come out of the pandemic was that when you know, official sources had, um, I'll, I'll start with New York State, for example, so New York State created a great fund for helping small businesses um, to try to recover from, from the pandemic. And they reached out to all ethnic groups, all the, the you know, various stakeholders. And the one that stood out the most as um, being inaccessible was actually the Caribbean American community, mm-hmm. simply because there wasn't other organizations, other, other groups had central organizations that, you know, could be the, the middle person between the government and getting that information uh, to I can the public. See that. Right? I can totally um, see that. And, and we, we, we lost out, I think, as a community because we didn't have that. And so one of um, our aspirations is to once again put the Caribbean Research Center in, in that position so that um, the information can get out, the resources can get out, um, that the community knows where to go to find out about what's happening or to inquire, you know, about opportunities and, and things that may benefit them and vice versa that, you know, when, whether they're governmental organizations, non-governmental organizations or whoever it is, um, that they're trying to reach the community, that there is, you know, an entity and um, the Caribbean Research Center being at Medgar Evers, right in right. the heart of Crown Heights, 
um, I think is perfectly positioned to do that. And, you know, at one point in time, I, you know, I don't want to toot our horn too loudly, but at one point in time, you know, there were these central entities. There was the Caribbean Research Center, there was the Caribbean um, Women's Health um, Association, Caribbean American Chamber of Commerce. There were these entities right. that were powerful, they were, you know, central, they were well known and they were deeply involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a changing of the guard, but unfortunately that there was never a true transition. That is exactly and it. I, I'm glad you, you you said it. That's exactly what happened. You know, one of the, and this is going off on a tangent, one of the challenges that I've experienced as a young person within the Caribbean, I've always found my elders kind of not respecting me, my youth and right. telling me that, you're not ready yet. You're right. too young. Right, right. And that has turned off a lot of people because people have listened to the podcast and they're eager, especially those born here to Caribbean parents. They're eager to get involved when they get to a certain age, but they are rebuffed when they try to get involved and people tell them like, know your place. This is not for you. This is right, for somebody right, else. And right. so I really want to have a conversation about that intergenerational relationship or lack thereof within the Caribbean because a, uh, an organization that does not have enough young people is dead. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so we have to do better in terms of this reverse ageism about you're too young, you're not ready yet. Right. Uh, and, and just putting in, stru- in place structures for continuity. Right? Yes. Um, which is, um, you, you actually hit the nail on the head. That was the crisis that hit many Caribbean American organizations here in, in Brooklyn, you know, um, they were powerful. They had powerful leaders. Um, they made a huge footprint, but then there was, um, there were no concrete plans put in place or structures put in place to yes. allow for the continuity, um, beyond those, those figures, the Roy Hastics, the, yeah. the Hastics, um, the Uniclocks. Yeah, we we have um, to start operating the way that corporate America operates, where it's like you have to have some transition planning in place. And none of that has really happened. Even from from a political standpoint, you know, I you know, it's it's across the board and from from the people who I've done focus group with with the podcast. Mm I see that they want that. They sure, want to absolutely. be involved. So um, here I commit that if there's information you want to get out, feel free to reach out to myself and carry oh, on friends absolutely. to disseminate that information. We've been doing this podcast for almost eight years, maybe more. I, I lose track after seven years. Mm-hmm. But the goal is my children are growing up. They need to have that next level of leadership also sure, in sure, place, right? Sure. Because then all the complaints that we're having that Flatbush is not Flatbush no more and this is not this no more, it's because we don't have the leadership in place and it's not only to those who are in power, it's for us who are in the position to follow the leaders to actually follow. It's appropriate yeah, 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 yes, it is. going know, on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny how things fall together like that. I isn't know, it? I know. <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'm really glad and I, and I think you're the person that I may need to bring back on the podcast to have that conversation about that generational divide and what we can do on all parts. It's not just the old people, the right. young people and the middle because I look young, but I'm not quite young, <laughs> you know, I'm in that generation all in right, the middle. Right, what, 21, 22. Please. Yes, sure, right, sure, sure. Right. Um, but to really come to the table and have really solid conversations about, okay, 
we've had our wounds because someone did this to us. How do we move past that wound and get get involved in a more civic way oh, in our community? Um, yeah, yeah, and that is a big part of our emerging mission is the development of um, whether you want to think of it as, as human capital or whatever, but um, investing in, in a lot of training programs with young people, um, exposing young people to careers, letting young people understand that, you know, um, you know, and, and it may not always be the most lucrative uh, courses of, of, of work, um, but that there is plenty of opportunity um, in giving service to your to your community, there are plenty of careers where you yeah. can be of service to your um, community and still sustain yourself and and live a fairly comfortable Absolutely. life. Um, but you know that messaging is not always. You know, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your podcast, but it's not always the sexiest job and, and the sexiest career path, um, and certainly not one that that you hear. Um, it's not Instagrammable. But, Right, there you go, you know, but it could be, I mean, you know, um, <laughs> not yet. We could change that. Yeah, we can, we can always we can make change. We definitely change that because yeah. there, there is something cool about um, impacting on your community. There is something cool about seeing your work, um, you know, manifest in different ways. But it's also about modeling, right? We, right. you know, people, the, the kids would model who they see, and if That's, they that only is, this is see. True. Only old people right. being in, pu- in in positions of power. power yeah. Then they're they're gonna say this is not for me. Well, we have a we have an interesting. Now is a good time for that because we have um, an interesting lineup of of leaders in city council and the state assembly, um, and there there are a lot of youth activists out here who are um, who are fully engaged. Mm-hmm. You, you may be right that you know they're not the ones with one million followers necessarily on Instagram, so they mm-hmm. may not be popping up. And if you are not looking for them, you may not find, find them. them. Yeah. Um, but um, you know there there is there is youth advocacy, there is youth involvement, um, but we, we need more. And um, one of the things we are trying to put in place is structures to actually teach young people how to get involved, right? So there's a lot of chatter right now. Um, I, I don't know if I'm, I have enough time yeah, on your show, but um, there's a lot of chatter that you hear passing around in social media and in, you know, and it's become popular to say it, you know, that, that oh, you know, they don't teach financial literacy in school, like they, you know, oh, you know, they need to change the curriculum. And, you know, a lot of that is just people jumping on the bandwagon. It sounds good to say. Um, th- there is value in that, certainly. But if, if we're really talking about teaching life skills, um, like one of the life skills that, that we also don't teach is how do you impact your community? How do you improve your community? And make no mistake about it, you know, if you come outside of New York City, if you come outside of areas with high concentrations of minorities and, and, and immigrants, you find that it's actually part of the curriculum. Yeah. So you find, um, you know, in places like Westchester and Long Island, you don't have to go far. Right, literally, just get out of the city, um, just, the just confines the of the road. cities, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you will find that you know there are high school students who will tell you that I can't graduate unless I've done community the service, service. Mm-hmm. right? Like it's actually a mandatory part of my educational experience, mm-hmm. and um, so one of my pet peeves is that here in the city we 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 don't do that at all, right? So we don't. At, at any point is that we talk about disadvantaged communities, we talk about marginalized communities, 
We talk a lot of hoopla about how much help they need. We talk about sustainable development. But at no point in time do we actually say, well, let's, let's start teaching the young people how to do it. Let's make it part of their, their, their actual thinking, their understanding of what their role is in society. Um, so let's, let's, you know, let, let's, let's push that angle. Yes and no, because I, I, I went to Wingate High School. That okay. was the only school I, was, I had a choice to go to fresh off the plane. Right, right. But I also felt like because the teachers, the large amount of the teachers at the time were Caribbean teachers, right. it was informally sure. in the curriculum. Right. Yeah, yeah. You'll and find the one or, yeah, yeah, you'll find the teachers here and there who sort of right. you know, stick it in. And I yep. think to your point, I just want to emphasize that it just needs to be formally included because there are informal ways that different you know, teachers and other things will make it part of, okay, as part of your final grade mm-hmm. or part, you know, because my thing was political science. I'm an armchair politician at okay. best, okay. right? Good, good. So, you know, I thought I was going to go to law school, study constitutional law. My introduction to law was at Wingate. I've okay. gone to the Supreme Court. I've there you gone go. to yes. all the, yes, the United yes. States Supreme Court. Uh-huh. Um, I did all, I went to City Hall and I participate in, City council models city. Mm-hmm. I did all of that, very and good. Um, the foundation is there, so I can have very intelligent conversation when people talk about the constitution and other things. I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. This is what I studied, and my teachers made sure this right. is what I learned. Right. And I think we just have to move beyond the social media wagonist things that we we get on sometime and really be. Um, committed to the things that we really want our kids to learn because mm-hmm. they might be teaching it at school, but in partnership as a parent, we have to enforce that learning when the kids sure. come home as sure. well. Sure. So I really, I really would love to have a deeper conversation with you about this. Anytime, you know, because, anytime. You know, these, these kind of things make me happy. You know, I'm committed to my community. I'm committed to the culture. And like everyone else, I want to see meaningful, um, programming not just for this generation but future generation and so it doesn't feel like our impact is eroding or the visibility of that impact Mm -hmm. is eroding because that's that's what people are reacting to but we need to get past that and start to do the work Mm -hmm. that needs to come from that agreed yeah thank you so much oh anytime i love this conversation it's a pleasure (laughs) all right all right and good luck with everything all right thank you take care yourself you've been listening to carry on friends a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at carryonfriends.com.